Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source for all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Andrea Proud. This is the last podcast before we take a break for the summer today, and it's been a busy year for IFRS reporting. At the last count, there were 22 projects on the go at Westbury Circus. And so today I've asked my guest, Marie Kling, to help me pull out the highlights of the year so far and to look forward to the rest of the year after the summer break. Welcome, Marie. Hello, Andrea. Happy to be here. Great. Marie, um, as we went into 2021, the ISB had four consultations on the go at the time, uh, a discussion paper on business combinations under common control, an exposure draft on lease liability in a sale and leaseback, a request for view on the post-implementation review of IFRS's 10 to 12, and also some outreach on its dynamic risk management project. So just a sheer variety of the types of consultation document tells you a lot about what's been going on this year. And in addition to all of this, there's been developments in the sustainability reporting space with the IFRS Foundation trustees now aiming to announce the establishment of a new International Sustainability Standards Board under its auspices later this year. Can you give us a few of your personal highlights of the year from a financial reporting perspective, first of all? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Andrea. So yes, um, I share your sentiment. It's certainly been a busy year, lots of activities and lots of developments in the marketplace as well. So maybe I'll just start sort of from the top in terms of my personal highlights, just maybe starting with the strategic side of things. So one important strategic project that you mentioned was that DISB actually began consulting on its first, uh, its third agenda consultation. As we know, this is a public consultation that the ISB undertakes on its activities and, and work plan every five years. And for the first time, the ISB is also asking for input about the balance of its activities and the criteria it should use for prioritizing the projects um, that it might add to its work plan. Now, this is a very important project and, and one of my personal um, highlights again for the year because the responses to the request for information will actually help shape the ISB's thinking um, going forward when determining how to prioritize the activities and the new projects that will be added to the work plan um, from 2022 to 2026. And as you know, Andrea, right, we've had internally a lot of good discussions and debates on this particular consultation uh, to make sure there's a right balance um, on, on projects and, and, and the priorities are right in terms of shaping the, the future of the, um, of the ISB's work. Yes, and it's interesting to see that the ISB is beginning to report what it's hearing on the agenda consultation. So that's the main strategic development there. What about responses to market developments? The ISB's been doing some work there as well, I think, in the year. Yeah, it was just interesting because there were, again, the ISB was, was trying something slightly different than typical and issuing some educational material. And that's in particular in response to sort of uh, market developments such as, you know, COVID, the effect on COVID, of COVID on companies or, or climate-related developments. So just kind of two pieces of education guidance that I would flag as sort of my personal highlights of the year as well. Um, and, and again, there's nothing new in those publications. It's not new guidance. Um, they just, uh, the educational guidance refers back to the existing requirements in the IFRS standards. But I personally find it useful that some of the key points that are summarized in those publications can actually serve as a, as a guide when entities are working um, on those issues. So this is a more responsive, proactive approach that can provide a focus on relevant guidance on a more timely basis. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about what those two pieces of guidance were? Let's start with the first one you mentioned on, on COVID going concern disclosures. Um, we, we mentioned this in a previous podcast as well, but just a refresher. Yeah, so, so the educational material sort of looks at, at different scenarios um, with going concern considerations in there. Um, so there's four that, that were looked at. One is just simple, no significant doubts about going concern. Um, the second and the third one, there are significant doubts, but the second one was a scenario where mitigation act, mitigating actions were sufficient uh, for the going concern to be appropriate. So there were no material uncertainty. And the third one, again, there are significant doubts, but in this case, mitigating actions were sufficient for the going concern to be appropriate, but there are still material uncertainties that remain. And, and the fourth one uh, is just an intent to liquidate. So the, the focus is really on scenario two and three where there are significant doubts and so that's what the educational material actually focuses on. And then with respect to scenario three, where there are uh, material uncertainties, the educational materials to, to take you back to IS1, uh, paragraph 25 and 122, and really highlights the need to disclose these uncertainties that actually may cast significant doubt on the entity's ability to continue as a going concern, as well as the judgments that the company made uh, to reach that to reach that conclusion. So that was helpful in just in framing uh, the analysis that need to be done with a focus on disclosures. And as we mentioned, it was, it was on quite timely issuance there as well. Um, the second piece of educational guidance was on uh, another very topical issue, which is around climate-related risks. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So as you know, right, we hear a lot about climate-related risks, and, and there's certainly a lot of activity in the market as well. And so, again, the educational material there was helpful because even though it didn't explicit, IFRS does not explicitly address climate risk, um, but the principles and that underlie the judgments and estimates made in the preparation of the financial statements will often incorporate some of those climate risk factors. And so, there again, in the educational material, there is there is reference to IS-1 and the overarching disclosure requirement really to disclose information if that information is needed to enable investors to understand the impact of particular transactions or other events and conditions that impact the company's financial position and, and performance. So that, that therefore, in the light of the current focus and impact of climate change, the, the messaging there was to ensure that there's a rigorous assessment to ensure that all the material information affecting the financial statements in this respect is actually provided. Turning our attention now to the post-implementation reviews or PIRs of the newer standards, the ISB had a request for information open for consultation at the very beginning of the year on the post-implementation reviews of IFRS's 10 through to 12. And during the year, it also started a new post-implementation review, that for IFRS 9 and financial instruments. Yeah, and so my, my personal highlight, of course, as you may suspect, is uh, IFRS 9 <laughs> being sort of a, a financial instruments and financial <laughs> services person. Um, so I was keen, I was uh, very happy to see that being picked up. And maybe just as a refresher for our listeners here, um, I know we've mentioned that in a previous po podcast, but the ISB is required to conduct a post-implementation review or PIR of each new standard or major, uh, major amendment to a standard 
generally about 30 to 36 months after the effective date, just to make sure that the standard is working as expected uh, and understand if standard setting is required. So the ISB with respect to IFRS 9 has been working on the, the first phase, which is sort of identifying the matters to be examined and making initial assessment to determine the scope of the review and what should be getting into the public consultation documents um, that we're expecting at some point in September. So that's the, the request for information. And, and I think we've discussed that on the last podcast, but just as, as a reminder as well, the PIR for IFRS 9 is done in phases. Um, and really that reflects the way IFRS 9 um, was actually finalized. It was issued in phases as well. So this first phase now is just focusing on classification and measurement. And, as you know, I'm, I'm personally interested in, in the development just in the uh, in the classification measurements part of IFRS 9. So tell us about which issues are the ones that you've got the most interest in here. Yeah, so I think last time you asked me about my top three, um, yeah. I, st- I still have the same top three. Uh, and I think okay. my top one is still, still looking at the SPPI test and how it is applied with respect to newer products that are coming out in the marketplace. And we're talking about um, green loans and and climate before, but just sort of looking at how the SPPI test is applied to what we call a green loan, where the interest on the loan is linked to a, a target green measure. So I'm keen to see how that area will progress. And, and I know that the board just recently discussed some of, some of their thinking at the uh, at the July meeting, but that's an important uh, part of the PIR. It's just, you know, the, the sta- looking at the standard in the context of the current environment. And your next two? My next two were just the um, contractually linked product part of IFRS 9. Um, and also the non-recourse loans. I think, you know, we've been getting a lot of questions just on how um, this area actually works. And so just curious as to, you know, any uh, any further debate on those areas. Because again, we're, we're, we have been getting quite a few questions on that. So we're looking forward to that in the seeing that consultation document in the last part of the year. Um, so we're now at the end of July. What what else are you looking forward to uh, for the rest of the year? Yeah, so again, the, the, the key projects were the, the third agenda consultation and the PIR for IFRS 9. So I'm clearly looking forward to seeing progress on, on those two major projects. Also another one, you know, that I haven't mentioned, um, you know, we focus sort of on, on the bigger scale project, but there's also a um, an exposure draft on IS-21, which focuses on determining the spot rates um, under IS-21 where there's lack of exchangeability. It's sort of a smaller scale project because it only impacts certain um, economies or jurisdiction. But for those that are affected, it's actually a very significant area for them. And so I'm also looking uh, forward to seeing progress in that area, even even though it's sort of a smaller scale project compared to to the PIR of IFRS 9. Yeah, so for the companies that are affected, it's going to be, you know, pervasive issues. So even though it's small, it will have a big impact on those companies. That's right. So that's the financial reporting focus, but there's also been constitutional changes going on at the IFRS uh, Foundation. And that's also been something that we've been following quite closely, hasn't it? That's right. And, and so looking forward to, you know, my, my personal highlights for the, the remainder of the year, again, sort of seeing the the work um, around the, I, the IFRS Foundation Constitution um, will be key. As we know, the trustees published the exposure draft back in April 2021 that um, outlines proposed targeted amendments um, to the, uh, the Foundation's Constitution. 
um, particularly to accommodate sort of the International Sustainability Standards Board uh, work to set IFRS sustainability standards. So that um, clearly is a key milestone that, that I'm personally interested in. Okay. And um, what, what are the amendments that are being proposed? Yeah, so the, the amendments in the exposure draft are to determine whether sort of the proposed governance structure would provide sort of legitimate oversight of the standard setting by the new board, and also whether the, the um, proposed amendments are proportionate to the foundation strategy in relation to the uh, potential work of the new board. Um, so again, the, the trustees are inviting comments on, on those proposals to amend the, the constitution, sort of to expand the foundation's objective um, to create a board that will set IFRS sustainability standard under the foundation's governance structure, but also to set out the structure and function of the new board, as well as kind of aligning other parts of the constitution with the creation of the new board. So again, that, that's a significant um, milestone. Okay. Um, so the developments in this area, can you tell us more about why, why you think that they are so important? Yeah, I just think we're, the, you know, the, there's a lot of market developments and, um, you know, the world is changing. And so I think the purpose of a company um, in society is changing as a result as well. And, and so are the demands on, on what it does report. You know, I think long term enterprise value is no longer assessed purely in financial terms, but also with regard to the entity's sustainability, certainly investors and broader stakeholders are increasingly demanding more strategic, holistic information about sort of the long-term value creation, the company's wider impact on society. That's why there is sort of this urgent need for sustainability information to be reported, but also to be reported in a way that's globally consistent, comparable, but also trusted. And so that's why sort of the development of a single set of global sustainability reporting standards to address the need of, of for corporate reporting beyond financial reporting is really key. So and that's, that's where the experience from the IFRS Foundation comes into play. That's right, that's right. Yeah, to, particularly to advance sort of the global consistency. Um, okay, so Marie, thanks for talking about your personal overview of the ISB 2021. And I think I look forward to having you as a guest in future podcasts as we delve deeper into, for example, the PIR of IFRS 9. But in the meantime, Thanks for being here today and thank you also to all our listeners. Um, thank you for following our podcast. We'll be taking a break over the holiday period, which is the summer in the Northern Hemisphere, but we'll be back in the autumn with more insights on all things address. Um, and if you have a particular topic you'd like us to cover, then feel free to drop me a line. The contact details are on the IFRS Talks page on pwc.com. So until then, stay safe and happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.